Oh, hey, what's up, Rebels? It's me, your favorite rebel, I'm only assuming. Sheila Gunraid, and you're listening to a free audio-only recording of my weekly Wednesday night show, The Gun Show. However, you know what? This is the internet, and I say it every week. The beauty of the internet is the convenience. You can listen or watch whenever the heck you feel like. Now, tonight my guest is Robbie Picard from Oil Sands Strong, and we are talking about the absolute hypocrisy of the environmental left, the liberals, and the media. And I feel like I'm repeating myself there because they are one homogenous group, aren't they, really? Anyway, they all seem to be really outraged about civil disobedience all of a sudden, and I don't think they actually are outraged about civil disobedience. I think they're mad that the right is better than the left at it. And that's why they want to crack down on the truck convoy. They didn't seem to care when... Railways are blockaded when people chain themselves to pipelines. That's free speech. But when the right does it and does it better than the left, all of a sudden, now it's a problem. Now, if you like listening to the show, then I promise you're going to love watching it. But in order to watch, you need to be a subscriber to Rebel News Plus. That's what we call our long-form TV-style shows here on Rebel News. Subscribers get access to my show, which, you know what? I think it's worth the price of admission. You also get access to Ezra's nightly Ezra Levant show, David Menzies' fun Friday night show, Rebel Roundup, Andrew Chapados's show, Andrew Says, and there's a brand new show on the network. It's called Misunderstood with Kat and Nat. And for all of that, all of that, it's only eight bucks a month to subscribe. And just for my podcast listeners, you can save an extra 10% on a new Rebel News Plus subscription by using the coupon code podcast. When you subscribe, just go to rebelnewsplus.com to become a member today. And now please enjoy this free audio only version of my show. Robbie Picard on the convoy protest and the hypocrisy of the politicians and the environmental left. I'm Sheila Gunn-Reed and you're watching The Gun Show. environmental protesters have crippled the Canadian economy. They've withered the nation's potential. They've chased away Canadian jobs and made Canada a less than investment friendly place. But that was all free speech. At least that's what the politicians like Justin Trudeau told us. The protesters who blocked railway tracks and set fires on the lines because they opposed a safe job creating northern BC pipeline all peaceful, the media told us. The cops protected those protests. They didn't break them up. Rather, they acted as security for them. But now, when the people on the right, as part of the convoy to Ottawa, are using some of these same protest tools the left has been using for decades, suddenly obstructing infrastructure and inconveniencing the public, well, that's been labeled economic terrorism. Free speech, not a chance. Try to make a tone-deaf government listen to you after two years of having your rights stomped on? And you will be treated like someone who provides material support to Al-Qaeda. Your bank accounts and personal property can be seized. And you, yourself, you can be criminally charged. Do these politicians think we're all hard of remembering? We know how they treated the riotous BLM. The liberals gave them grants. 
after the American riots spawned by BLM protests. We know how they treated the rail blockaders with kid gloves and kindness. Joining me tonight to discuss this outrageous hypocrisy is someone who has been dealing with the radical environmentalist left for years. My friend, Robbie Picard from Oil Sand Strong. Take a listen. Joining me now from his home office in Fort McMurray, Alberta, is my friend Robbie Picard from Oil Sand Strong. Robbie, I wanted to have you on the show because I think you have a unique perspective about um, the truckers' convoy and now the government crackdown. So first, let me get your opinions on the record. What do you think of the convoy to Ottawa? And then I'll get into your opinions about what you think about the government reaction to the convoy of to Ottawa. But first, what do you what do you think about the convoy? You know, I, I have uh, been uh, thinking long and hard, like about um, how when we did our advocacy for pipelines, we always were kind of clean about it. We'd go make some noise, get some media headlines, but we never did what the other side did. And that was essentially go there, um, stay and create a, a stir of this level. And the thing that I really like about the convoy is the fact that I'm not going to lie, I'm kind of enjoying watching Ottawa a little shaken up. Uh, I like the fact that um, that they have, uh, I don't know, they're talking about long-term trauma, um, you know, horns really stress them out, because Ottawa is a recession-proof city that exists off the backs of the rest of this country. And for the first time ever in my lifetime, they actually were like scared and people from that they don't necessarily have that, I don't know, that guacamole toast, uh, latte drinking lifestyle. They're going to have a cookout with a barbecue and, you know, and throw some meat on the grill and set up bouncy castles. I, I, I really like that part of the convoy. The part that I'm very, I'll be, I'll be straight up. I'm fully vaxxed. Okay. Yeah. But I don't like the way that a lot of people have treated the people who've chosen not to get vaccinated. And they, and when Justin Trudeau, our prime minister, our supposed leader, who's supposed to represent all of us and have that calmer approach. And I'm not even going to bring up past prime ministers. I'm going to say that he was elected in this sort of modern, I'm here for everybody kind of facade. But that when he basically insults the unvaccinated and then kind of actually talks about hate towards them and says that they're, you know, that they're um, misogynistic, that they're racist, that how do you handle these people? Um, it's very sad. And I know a lot of people that are far more successful in life and business than I am, that I respect their opinions and they're not vaccinated. And these are people that run multi-billion dollar businesses. And for whatever reason, their personal choice, they chose not to. So to say that they're stupid and uneducated, I don't agree with. And so I think the convoy is a real nice slap in the face to all of the establishment in Ottawa that a good portion of our country is upset and angry. 
So that part, I really am, I, I'm thrilled that no matter what happens with, with Trudeau today and the next few days, at least now the people in Ottawa have an eye-opening wake-up call that there's another part of this country who is disgusted with their privilege. You know, that's a great point. I see a lot of what's happening with the convoy and then the Liberals' reaction to it and the media's reaction to it. It's a class war. Um, and you can see that in, uh, we're recording this Tuesday morning, but in Justin Trudeau's announcement of his Emergency Measures Act, that uh, the the left and the politicians and the media, but I guess they're all sort of the left, I'm kind of repeating myself, um, they are horrified that the working class is not under their thumb. They are shocked that these are living, breathing people with opinions of their own and hopes and dreams of their own. And they're sort of taken aback that they've decided that they are going to handle things their own way, that they're going to have their own opinions and react in their own way and not listen to the fancy people on TV. I see a lot of that, like the reaction from the mainstream media and the politicians as fear that the working class has sort of figured out that they hold the balance of power in this country. Well, I think that that is exactly right. And honestly, and I've, I've said this for quite a while, I don't, I, I, I know a lot of people that have been grown up and I blame us Gen Xers because I honestly think we were shitty parents. We really are. We, we spoiled hey, this Gen No. <laughs> <laughs> But what I mean is we kind of, maybe not, maybe not you, you, but what I'm saying is that there's a certain generation that just grew up that does yeah. not know before meat comes to your plate that it's grown on a farm and that cow, that beautiful animal has to be slaughtered and taken a bit apart and processed and packaged. They don't understand what makes that city exist. They don't understand that oil has to be pumped out of the ground and processed to get their cars. And even with this woke idea that somehow we're going to trans, uh, you know, transform to all of these electric cars and all this green energy, it comes from hard work and labor of people. And when a prime minister says they are extremists who don't, do not believe in science, they're often misogynistic, also racist, is a small group that muscles in. And we have to make a choice in terms of leadership of this country. Do we tolerate these people? Now, could you imagine if Stephen Harper said that about any of the groups that protested? And let's just be clear, okay, this was not this was not a violent protest. Yes, it was no. some loud hon uh, honk or uh, horn honking and barbecuing and you know and a, a few small pieces of civil disobedience. Let's remember when they had the G7 conferences and all of that, when there was riots in the street, uh, you know, a few years ago when they were smashing windows. And and I mean, and to bring up the stat, I mean, this is ridiculous. Even friends of mine, they're like, oh my God, look what they did to the war memorial. Look what they did to Terry Farks. I mean, give your heads a shake. It wasn't that long ago that they were torching church churches. Eight, 80 some churches were burnt to the ground on the other side of this whole thing. Um, statues were torn down and beheaded and, and red paint all over them. And no one seemed on that side to really speak out against it. So the truth is they were scrambling for things to be upset about in Ottawa because the vast majority of this protest was extremely peaceful. And that is what they don't know what to do. They were expecting riots. They were expecting all this. And that's probably why it lasted so long before he called the War Measures Act. And we need to call it the War Measures Act because that's what this is. Yeah. Um, and 
the, the, they waited that long because I think honestly they were wanting to be provoked and the truckers were, you know, were pretty smart about it. They're like, no, 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 we're just going to be here existing in this public space. And how can a prime minister take such a turn? I mean, it wasn't that long ago when COVID started. He was thanking the truckers and, and you know, oh, thank you very much. This is not about COVID restrictions anymore. This is about, like, not the ability to admit I'm wrong or even just for the prime minister to pivot and say, you know what, you know, uh, I'm going to get rid of restrictions by this date. We've heard you uh, move on. He, he doesn't have that uh, capability in his narcissism. Sorry about you know, the Gen X shot. No, that, no, that's a really great point because, again, we're filming this on Tuesday morning, so we're just digesting the announcements that came yeah. out on Monday. But it is true. There is a strong inability to admit that he was wrong. For example, all he had to do was say, okay, here's the timeline for repealing the restrictions. But instead, for him, he went full police state. Uh, confiscating bank accounts, confiscating property, um, pulling insurances on trucks, treating grandmothers who donated to the convoy like they are ISIS brides now, that they're giving material support to terrorism. He went full police state and just, instead of just saying, okay, I hear you, this is the timeline. Because he couldn't Mm -hmm. give that win to the normal people. No, and I think that that, I think that is going to be the real I, I, I mean, honestly, this might break the prime minister. And I mean, and, and let's just be honest. A good, I know we don't we don't think he's hot, but a, a, he's a good-looking guy who is somewhat articulate, who can speak. He's articulate. Uh, sometimes. <laughs> well, he's really good. He's really good at speaking, like uh, like, like, a like on cue, like an actor. You know what I mean? Yeah. Everything is an actor type thing. He's on. Like I don't I don't sense. I don't sense a ton of re- reality, you know. So you and you sometimes the most intelligent people can't are, are like I would argue a thousand points like Gerald Butts or Hayden. He's smarter than Justin Trudeau. Oh, he, for sure. He calculates better. Um, he's far more strategic, right? But I mean, could you imagine him up there speaking? He sounds like a buffoon, right? He's a bit of a doofus. He doesn't he's look. He's definitely not hot. You know, like, truly. I mean, I've been, okay, I'm about to be totally politically incorrect here, but. I totally picture, I was wondering like how Justin Trudeau became prime minister and I realized what it is. Justin was the good looking guy, get all the chicks and Butts was sort of, you know, the guy that, you know, you know, he definitely, he definitely would be the most popular guy at a gay bar. Okay. He'd be like, you'd have, you know, your last choice of the night on, on the world coldest day where you couldn't meet anybody else. Right. But Justin became his muse for what Gerald Butts really wanted to accomplish in this world, because he was, they wrote it on a napkin apparently, he pl- plotted it all out at a wedding, the path for Justin Trudeau to be our prime minister. So now we're stuck with this situation where we have a prime minister who really isn't necessarily the one that should be there in this time. And being prime minister, I don't give a shit if you're conservative or if you're liberal, there's a time where you have to find humility and you have to pull people from all sides together, whether you agree with them or not. And that is something that I, I I don't think is possible for either of them. And you watch, I mean, Butts is all on the Twitter now. He's all cocky with the passive, like, talking about the Super Bowl and then reminding people of things. And this monster is, this monster, I don't even know if it's really about vaccine passports. I no. think it's about they're sick and tired of the Laurentian elite picking on them, treating them like they're servants to their superiority. And that's the true thing. Like, and, and I think that that's what this is about. And if you would, 
it, first things he should have done, he should have met with the truckers. He met with Teresa, Chief Teresa Spence, when her yes. fake hunger strike many years ago, where she's the only person in Canadian history to gain weight on a hunger strike, who is pretending that she was living in these, a, a, a TP, but she had a, a luxury hotel a couple doors down. He met with her. He's met with everybody. And now, let's just be honest. Do you remember Clayton Kennedy? That's yep. what the whole hunger strike of Teresa Spence was about. Yep. So my point is, is that our prime minister right now is seriously, I think he, I think he's a kid. I think he's a kid who does not know how to admit I'm wrong. Now, maybe, maybe like the, the, maybe the truckers could have, you know, made a move quicker or, or, or understood what they were up against. But if you have that many people in Ottawa willing, and let, let the other thing too, the truckers aren't broke. These are people who, these people, the truckers, okay, they are successful in life. You can't own a truck or a piece of equipment and drive there without having your shit together. That's what people, these, these trucks are worth hundreds of thousands of dollars. So I really think that there's a, an issue here with our government that they don't understand the rest of Canada. And let, let's just be honest, conservative, conservatives won the popular vote and the liberals lost. But the way our democracy is set up with the seats, Quebec and Ontario can choose who our prime minister is over and over again. The West has very little say. And, you know, and then you get some whack job from Greenpeace. You know, he's a minister now who's telling everyone how, what to do after. You know what I mean? He was the one that started this type of action when he scaled the CN Tower and did all the other crap. Yeah, Stephen Gilboff, he's the environment minister now, but he was with Equitaire and he came out today and said, all Canadians have the right to peacefully protest and express their views, but blocking critical infrastructure, I don't know, like the CN Tower and disrupting the lives of our neighbors is not right. Enough is enough. It's time to go home. Um, but uh, I see him in a pair of orange coveralls here labeled Greenpeace, um, you know, it was perfectly fine. Civil disobedience was perfectly fine when it was for his cause. But now that Canadians are standing up to the government, um, they he thinks that they should all go to jail. I think this is truly about, at this point, like you say, not about COVID restrictions or anything like that. It is about control. And the Liberals know who they can control, and now they know who they can't control. And I think that also in that they want the data from Give, Send, Go and the data from... Uh, GoFundMe, they want an enemies list because now they know a, a whole class of people they can't control, but they want the names. They want to know who is an enemy of the state. And if they can't control you, they're going to destroy you. And I think that's what the Emergency Measures uh, Act being invoked yesterday was all about. And even in, even in that announcement, the one thing that really stuck out for me, and I think it was, it's glossed over by a lot of people, but when they said, if we can't get tow truck drivers to come help us, we will commandeer the tow trucks and the drivers. So not just take the tow trucks, but also take the drivers. Again, treating the working class like they aren't living, breathing people with free will. Again, they are only tools to be used by the Laurentian elite. It's like they're automatons and coveralls, just like robots. And if you need one, you just grab one and they do work for you. They still can't get it through their head why people feel the way they do. Well, see, and that's 
the, that's the real scary part about this is, I mean, I remember Christy Freeland when they, when they realized that during COVID, a lot of people had a lot of savings and the debt load of the country. And she was basically kind of said, we need to spend their money to balance up the country. That was very telling there. When Trudeau complimented the ability to do whatever he wants with, with, if he was a dictator like in China. But the real scary part is that like, if the government deems your cause, if you're fundraising for whatever, and these tools, see these tools like GoFundMe and Facebook and everything else have been nice equalizers. It's allowed, it's allowed regular people to be successful yep. um, if they weren't born with a silver spoon like Justin Trudeau to be able to have a have a show or um, take on a cause or start a movement, um, raise money. And that is the beauty of what social media and you know GoFundMe and Give Send Go have has done, and I don't think they know how to do it because normally if you look kind of you look at the if you want to delve into the sort of the social profit world, right? I always find myself conflicted because I know a lot of these organizations they get millions from corporations and they check a box, yeah. but some of the smaller movements and the other things like I love oil sands my organization stuff and how we've managed to do things it's very unorthodox so this is very scary what they just did because they basically just crippled these these this other form of fundraising for different things that are not necessarily your you know your immediate thought like the world is changing so it's very scary what's happened in the last 24 hours and i'm not surprised i always saw when he became prime minister that he would invoke the War Measures Act history has a way of repeating itself. Um, and I, 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 I've met Justin Trudeau. I hung out with him at a bar. It, I met him multiple times before he was prime minister. This doesn't really surprise me. I have to admit I'm a little, a little surprised at how he reminds me of, uh, of this person I know in Saskatchewan who, you know, inherited a lot of money and was the only boy um and got his way all the time and that 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 to me is very it's very scary because um i don't know where, where we're going to go with this it's not, i don't think it's going to end well and i i do hope though that the voters wake up but and, and, and the problem in our country is like like okay so great you have an election trudeau's popularity drops because it's a bad move who's going to be the prime minister you know what i mean because the conservatives now are in a in a leadership battle like it's just very it's a very sad day for Canada when our, our prime minister has zero respect for opinion different than his. Now, I want to ask you, because this is a common criticism that people who are in support of the convoy are getting, and that is, well, you are against people blocking pipelines and critical infrastructure in that regard. How do you reconcile that with what's happening in Ottawa or for that matter at the borders. We well, see and I this I'll admit to you this is the part where this is a tough question right because you're right because when they were blocking trains and they were lighting trying to light trains on fire and then when they camp parked out at Camp Cloud um, and tried to shut down the pipelines and I could give you a list of multiple things the other side has done that has just been horrific right. What I will say is that our side clearly is stronger and far more critical to the country's operation than these weenas that are trying to stop pipelines. And I think it's just a level of frustration that has been building for years. 
It's the dismissive nature of our prime minister, his superiority complex, his narcissism. And the truth is, because someone said, well, you lost the election, you know, boo-hoo, it was on one of my posts. And I thought, well, hang on for a second. Is there any way for the West to ever win an election? Right. The West clearly is more conservative, clearly wants um, working class uh, families to be successful, to have a better life. And you watch what's happening in, in places like, for, like say for Vancouver, for instance, where it is impossible for someone to own a home now, unless yeah. you're born into a ton of money. What the working class lifestyle offers, it's opportunity for betterment of people's families and for future. And what the liberals offer, which I've, which I've seen more and more is keep the status quo, this false sense of equality. So equality, like, well, you know, we care about working class, regular jobs, we talk about universal income, but what that is, is it puts a ceiling on people's potential. A truck driver can get a job and be more successful than anyone in Ottawa. In fact, most of those, those, those guacamole coffee drinking people that are freaking out because the noise is bothering them right now, don't have the net worth close to what an average trucker would. So my point is, is that the, 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 we have different values in the West, yeah. but for some reason, the Ontario, the elite, the Quebec, they, they have this hold on us and we never really get, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter who we, we had Harper for a time and then they attacked him like viciously for years. This is the first time that I've seen, there's been, you know, we see it all the time, there's this movement, I, I don't even know what it is, but there's people around me and they're angry. All oh, my friend Connie, okay, I'll just say her name because she, she's, she's all full on now, she owns MIB Moving, okay? You know, she, I gave her trucker of the of the of the little convoy the header that I covered, right? I, I named her Top Trucker. So long story short, okay, Connie, successful businesswoman, but she's sick of it. She's sick of feeling like she's less because you know yeah. what I mean? Because she has a, and I think that's what it what, what it truly is about. It's about um, Ottawa needs a shakeup, and our leadership that if they don't like you. Um, they, they label you, look how hard they try to label these truckers as racist. Cause they had a few and I wouldn't be surprised if those people with the Nazi flags were planted. Yep. I remember at one of the rebel events that I was speaking at, I wish I would have done more. Two guys showed out of nowhere, these signs and they vanished. They weren't part of the event. They were not there. So I wouldn't be surprised, but that's, and that's instantaneous what everyone focuses on. And I remember talking to friends of mine. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. There's thousands of people here that have flags that have. Canadian flags that are families are bringing their kids. You can't you can't just take the, the, the these couple of um, you know Nazi protesters and, and say that's the whole group. But that's the instant narrative they go to, like when they're not winning. So you're dealing with a bunch of spoiled children in Ottawa. They don't like the fact that the landlords have come home and they're honking for their rent. So now they're going to they're going to do their own thing to try to get them out of there. And it's it's very sad. And I think that. I think people are waking up to this. And I think what I, I mean, I think you really see the liberals for what they truly are. And I mean, I've seen it myself I, I, dealing with them a lot, like even in McMurray, some of this, this what, what some of them will do to win is it's insane. It's, it's next level, actually. Yeah, it's uh, just going back to your comments about the Camp Cloud protesters and the pipeline blockaders. I think the difference here is the goal. And for the truckers, they just want to work. And not just they just want to work. They're not asking for anything special. They're asking for the country to go back to the rights and freedoms we had 
in 2019, in January 2020. That's all. They don't want anything unrealistic. Whereas with the, you know, the Camp Cloud protesters, the Ferry Creek protesters, the pipeline protesters, they want to kill jobs, kill economic activity. And the truckers, they want to unlock it. I think that's the difference here is the uh, the goals at the end of the day. Uh, Robbie, you're in Fort McMurray. You're in the heart of it all. Uh, what's going on up there? What do you want to talk about before we let you go? Well, if you could, um, well, things are absolutely amazing. So um, I'm working on my bus trip to Ottawa, which I'm going to probably launch mid-March. We'll see if I'm even allowed in Ottawa after this yeah. point. You're a terrorist um, now. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> I'm filming a documentary, and I'm going to be telling the, the stories of oil families along the way. And the other thing we're going to cover is we're going to talk about this ridiculous just transition. So... A few years back when they destroyed the coal industry, they devastated communities in Alberta. Yep. Now, a lot of these people were able to recover because um, they were able to recover because of oil and gas jobs, right? Because they were able to pivot, get a job. When they finally try and they destroy the entire infrastructure of fossil fuels in this country, you were going to literally have thousands and thousands of people who did not recover, will not have the ability to recover. So there's a lot of uh, people in Alberta in these small towns that like they've lost their homes, they've been bankrupt. The coal industry was supposed to be replaced with all these new jobs. They were not there. So we're going to heavily focus on one, the importance of natural gas and the importance of keeping the fossil fuel industry going and, and start like, I don't want to have a gun to my head telling me I have to buy an electric car. Right. And, and, and I think that's what's coming our way. I really, I really do. Um, I'm it's like if you can look at throughout history how you know horse and carriage they all kind of evolved it's a natural progression this this is crazy what I'm hearing what's coming down the pipeline with these electric cars in fact there's even legislation being proposed in the states now that the government will actually tell you when you can drive because what's going to happen is they're going to put all these electric cars cars on the grid the grid is not going to be able to sustain it okay and then, so they're going to be like, okay, well, you can drive for these two hours, but after that, you park your car. And there's actually like all this conspiracy theory talk is actually starting to come true. So we want to kind of yeah. talk about that a little bit. Like, it's very, I don't like where we're headed. I, I don't like being told, like, even in Montreal, like during COVID, I can appreciate, let's just say you accept some restrictions because of COVID, right? When they have police cars, driving through the neighborhoods telling people they can't leave their house at nine o'clock at night what is that how is that making COVID any like okay fine you shut the bars down you shut the restaurants down but if i want to take my dog for a walk say at like midnight because it can't sleep i'm not able to do that so there's a real problem here that's been happening um and and i really think that we need to kind of start talking about it because i don't I don't believe that it's all about um, green energy and it's all about solar power and all this other stuff. It's about this control, bizarre control on society that I think that a certain group of elites have kind of lost a little bit. And and it's funny because like if you, if you just I mean just look at the power of social media with that how that social media has completely changed my life. It's how I have a marketing company. It's how I advocate. It's my ability to stand up to narcissistic multimillionaire, plain banging celebrities like Jane Fonda. 
I mean, you know, the Mile High Club, because, you know, you cannot have sex on a, on a plane without fossil fuels. I'll just point that out. So those are things that I think um, uh, the hypocrisy that I've been able to point out because of social media and the, my ability to be able to organize, that's changed my life in a positive way. Yeah. That's what's scary. And I think that's what's scaring the, 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 the Trudeaus because they can't keep a grasp get a grasp on people right it's yeah. all of the, it's just it's this notion that somehow they care about the smaller people but the truth is they're keeping them down yeah. and i think that's the heart of why albertans are pissed they know the they know that pipelines and oil helps build our country provides jobs and the 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 energy workers and the you know i guess the working class canadians they they're not over overly complicated they're just very much like, I want to earn a living. I want to, you know, have a good life. I want to provide. I want to work. There's that drive where where you have these elites that are second, third, fourth generation generation wealth who've never done anything, any work, work, any type of work, any type of real suffering. They don't understand that. And I, I think that's the clash. But that's the real clash in Canada right now. And it's not. It's everywhere because I think that the people are waking up and they don't necessarily know how to articulate it. And that, and I think that that's what this this is more about. Now, Robbie, one last question: How do people support the work that you do and find the work that you do? Because you do this largely without any huge financial backing. You just are moving from one project to the next, um, sort of by the skin of your teeth. Sometimes. Well, okay. So one thing that I uh, I'll announce is that we are launching our new magazine. Um, it's going to be a monthly. It's called Oil and Gas Strong. I'm originally going to call it Oil Sand Strong, but now it, I'm going to do Oil and Gas Strong because the story is bigger, and it's both. Um, and so, if you could sign up for that, there'll be like a monthly newsletter type thing on, on our website, um, oilandgasstrong.com. And then I'd like everyone that's watching, if you could please, um, our Facebook page is exploding. We now have a fourteen thousand. Oh, sorry. Um, 114,000 followers. Uh, I want to get to the 300,000 range. So please follow us and buy a ton of t-shirts, like buy shirts like crazy uh, because we're we're going to be going to uh, do our tour. Our tour is not going to be quite as loud, but I promise it will be impactful. And we are going to tell the story of this country and we're going to stand up against this notion that somehow there's going to be this just transition to shut all of our industry down and we're we're not going to let that happen we're going to stand up for it and and if nothing else we're going to point out that this is not we're not going to adopt the language the language of the of the so-called environmentalist Laurentian elite that are trying to destroy the lives of hard-working Canadians well Robbie um, I appreciate your advocacy on behalf of families like mine because you're describing a family like mine where they, the government and the liberals, and the mainstream media, this just transition is something they want to do to you and not with you. They don't, they don't really care what you think. Um, so I appreciate you uh, telling the stories of the very real people, real Canadians, real communities that are going to be hurt by all of this. Uh, Robbie, far too long since you've been on the show. Um, we'll have you back on again very, very soon. Thank you for having me. You know what I think? I think 
the environmentalists left and the media and the politicians. But clearly, obviously, I'm repeating myself here because they are all part of the same group. They are mad that the right is doing what the left has always done. But because the right are a bunch of useful people with useful life skills, they found a way to do it even better and more effectively than the left. And that's why the left wants to crush them. Well, everybody, that's the show for tonight. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'll see everybody back here in the same time, in the same place next weekend. Remember, don't let the government tell you that you've had too much to think.